What was your very first viral video? It like blew up. We went from like 2,000 followers to like 30,000 followers in one or two days. Like it was like popping. It was yes. crazy. I was like, oh. Welcome to the Christy Face Show, where we share game changing ideas with intentional parents like you. I'm your host. Christy Faith, experienced educational advisor and homeschool enthusiast. Together, we'll explore ways to enrich and transform both your life and the lives of your children. Welcome, everybody. I'm Christy Faith. I'm thrilled to have our guest on today. She is a close personal friend, and I invited a friend. Rachel was one of the very first people that I saw on TikTok, and we're going to discuss how we got to know each other, what we thought when we were seeing each other on social media. But first, I want to introduce my wonderful, beautiful, lovely guest, Rachel Stanhope. Rachel is a mom of five from junior high right on down to infancy. You live on a small rural farm in Missouri where you incorporate homeschooling into your homesteading lifestyle. You are a second generation homeschooler and feel blessed to have been homeschooled yourself and can share your perspective to everybody here today. Some of your favorite memories about growing up include being able to enjoy your childhood. I can't wait to talk about that. Being outside without peer pressure, traveling. Ooh, I want to hear more about this. And having 11 siblings. You were raised to be a free thinker. From the richness of your childhood experience, you have found a passion for sharing your homeschooling knowledge on TikTok. I'm very curious if that's where you started because that's where I did. And you have a lot of followers on there, girl. And I've been so proud of you and I love your content. So a big warm welcome to Rachel. Thank you, Christy. I'm so excited to be here. I, I find your story incredibly fascinating, not only because you're a second gen homeschooler, but also your perspective and your journey on social media. I wanted to ask you first, you were one of my first homeschool social media friends. I want to hear, because I may not know this, what was your very first viral video? Oh my goodness. Okay. I remember it so clear. It was I can't remember exactly how I worded it, but it started out like um, I was raised or my 11 siblings and I were raised in home in a homeschooling, um, crunchy, non-vaccinating household, something along those lines. And then I started talking about these holistic books that my mom and dad use. And I was like, if you don't have these books, they're awesome because I have them on hand. And it like blew up. We went from like 2000 followers to like 30,000 followers in one or two days. Like it was like popping. It was yes. crazy. I was like, oh. yes, that what that was how my first viral video was too. And how did that feel when you realized, Rachel, that several hundred thousand people have seen you? Um, it was exciting, but kind of nerve-wracking at the same time. I was like, who wants to hear me? Like I'm kind of a middle child. I'm number four. So, you know, the middle child kind of gets, you know, overlooked, but it was, I just felt very blessed to have my voice heard. That's cool. Hey, what are some of those books? We'll put them in the show notes that you oh, were showing on that um, video. Let's see the prescription for nutritional health. That's one. And another one is a home remedies book, but it's worded a certain way. And I cannot think of it right now. You sh I should have grabbed it, it. It's not nutritional healing, is it? I think that's a no, a really big one. 
Okay. No, this is something about home remedies and like Chinese medicine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'll ask you later, gather them up and we'll put them in the show notes because that stuff always okay. is so fascinating to me how our bodies can, you know, there's a lot of stuff in nature that is designed to heal our bodies. And if we only knew, we may not need pharmaceuticals all the time. So right. I love that. Why did you first get on TikTok? Um, because I was bored like everybody else in 2020, <laughs> you know, I got on and had an account and just posted I don't even know, just random stuff. And then I found out my homeschooling friend from Texas also had an account. And we were both kind of embarrassed about it. We're like, wait, why should we be embarrassed that we have TikTok, you know? And then we talked and discussed and decided to start a page together that we built up. And uh, yeah, oh, the rest is history. Very cool. And I think you were on before me. I only remember a handful of you guys I remember a lot of the homeschooling content was pandemic related and extremely negative towards homeschooling. Yes. And that was one of the reasons why I got on partially because you seem to have a peace with your homeschooling. And that is not something that I have noticed only with you, Rachel, a lot of the second gen homeschool mamas and dads that I meet have a peace that all of us strive to have. Why do you think this is? Hey, hey, if you're enjoying the show and don't want to miss out on future episodes, hit that like and subscribe button and show us some love with your reviews. Those five-star ratings really do help us reach more people. Oh my goodness. Okay, so like the short answer, well, my, my answer would be that I feel like all of us now millennials or millennials who were raised in the 90s and 2000s or even the 80s, some of us, um, we got to have a childhood. We didn't have to leave the house every day at 6, 7 a.m., sometimes, you know, earlier for some kids and be away from our parents. We got quality family time and we got to have our childhood after school was done, two or three hours of all of our schoolwork, all of our subjects. We could go outside and play. We could enjoy nature, explore, work at my dad's you know, wood shop and go see my grandma and just do things that kids don't really get to do. Climb trees, break our arm. I broke my arm at four and then I did again at 30. But yeah, <laughs> just being a kid, I think that gives you a lot of peace. And your childhood experience, it was nothing like what mine was, even though I'm a lot older than you. But yes, I think there's something there going to school, having that framework of grades. What type of homeschooler was your mama? She was, um, I think she was an eclectic homeschooler. She did use um, covenant curriculum. And I'm not sure where that falls on the homeschool spectrum. Mm -hmm. So I like to think she was eclectic because we used many different methods. And I remember, you know, having days where it was like specifically just go outside. You don't have to do book work, kind of unschool you know, tell me what you learned today at the end of the day type thing. Oh, interesting. Did your siblings, did you and your siblings have strong relationships growing up and have those relationships lasted into adulthood? I know there are 11 of you, right? Yes, there, there are 12 of us total, including myself. Okay. And yeah, as so my oldest brother, he's 40 now, which 
I can't believe, you know, he's 40. It's like, wait, that means I'm older, but 40's not that old. <laughs> um, so he kind of, you know, he was the older teenager and moved out before I was old enough to really have a relationship with him. And then my oldest sister and I, I don't know, the, the, I'm part of the four oldest, but I didn't get along with the other three. I hung out with the twins, which were born right after me. And then my brother, David. So I'm always called them the triplets because they're 19 months apart. So it was the twins, David okay. and I, and then you had the younger kids and then the babies kind of. And so I just hung okay. out with the boys if I wasn't playing Barbies, but we, um, we had a great relationship as kids. I was just their cheerleader and uh, no, we don't, <laughs> we don't talk as adults. Unfortunately, some of us do I actually have a better relationship with the oldest, the 40 year old. And we talk often. He's a plant nerd and I love plants. So we ship each other seeds and bulbs and talk about our plants. And, you know, old people things. Not, oh, I'm older than you, girl. I'm older than your older brother. <laughs> uh, I want to hear what aspects. So that really interests me about the sibling relationships because a big motivator for my homeschooling is I wanted collective family memories. I wanted sibling relationships that lasted well into adulthood. And I'm very intentional about that. I'm curious, what parts of your homeschooling experience growing up have you decided to do differently? And what are some things that you really loved that you are carrying on that legacy? Um, what are some things I am doing different? I, I think my approach with homeschool is a little bit different. Even though I myself am an eclectic homeschooler, I feel like it's different. You know, there were so many children and my mom was either nursing a baby or pregnant, you know, so hormones, crazy. We've been there. We understand that. Um, I, I don't feel like there was a lot of one-on-one -on -one time or if mm -hmm. I struggled in a subject, I don't feel like there was a lot of help. Um, so what I'm doing different is making sure that I am there, you know, helping when I can. Mm -hmm. And if I can't help, obviously we have more means to find answers and ways to help now than we did in the nineties and early two thousands. Um, so I have to take that into account as well. I don't want to feel like I'm pointing the finger at my parents for not homeschooling properly because, you know, you meet some homeschoolers, mm -hmm. especially on TikTok and are like, oh, I was homeschooled and it was the worst decision ever and blame, 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 blame. I'm an yeah. adult. I shouldn't blame anybody for anything. Past, present, future, you know, I mean, I need to take responsibility. Um, not that I can take responsibility for my childhood education, but in a way I can by doing things different or not pointing the finger when it comes to little things. You know, look at the looking at the whole picture and the situation my my mom was in. I mean, my dad helped school us some, like with math, he would. Uh, but it all fell on her, really. And if I had five babies running around and older kids and, you know, constantly at my feet, maybe pregnant or a baby, I would be losing my ever loving mind. OK, yeah. <laughs> so I need to take that whole experience into perspective. Um, when I when I discuss my childhood, because I don't want it to come off as being blaming or as blaming, you know, for X, Y, Z not happening. The other day I was thinking I was driving 
and I was having, I was fighting negative thoughts, trying to like stop them at the door. And I realized how important it is when I also think back to my childhood and both of my parents, they were people too, who had their own struggles. Like I was having my struggle that day and how important it is to have grace because we are mothers who are struggling with our own stuff going on, trying to reclaim the story for our own children, give them an amazing childhood, but we're human too. And we have bad days. And so I think that having grace is so important, of course, with ourselves, with our kids, but also with our, with our family of origin, not to say that there, there are probably listeners that, um, had horrific things happen in their childhood. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking about just in the little things, just recognizing that, you know, if you grew up in a relatively healthy family and things weren't always perfect, that just having grace because your mom was, yeah, she may have screamed at you because there was a lot going on that she wasn't, she may have been stressed about money that day or something and just having grace for we're human too. And we have our own struggles and we're trying to do our best raising our kids, not as an excuse for any type of maltreatment or abuse in any way, shape or form. I hope that's clear. But that general posture, I think, is is healthy and it helps you not harbor resentment, too, because that's not a healthy place. I love it. Ill feelings, you know, absolutely. Because, I, I mean, I do feel like my parents did the best that they could do for our homeschooling and upbringing with the information they had available then, you know, because they couldn't Mm -hmm. just order curriculum online every year or press a button and have CTC math or teaching textbooks right there at their fingertips. I mean, it was dial up and it was going to look at curriculum, you know, to the fairs, the homeschooling fairs and things like that. And that was a lot of work, you know? Yeah. And that's why we have the term, box curriculum, which we use that as just regular terminology, but the origins, it doesn't make sense now. There's nothing to relate it to. But back then when you were homeschooling, you literally got a box on your doorstep and that was your curriculum from whatever company your mom bought from. And back then you said your mom was eclectic on the eclectic side, but I would say most families in that generation were buying box curriculum. And what that means mm-hmm. is kind of one company that teaches all the subjects and you order a grade level for each of your kids. And that's how you did yes. it. And the box came to the door. So, yes. Well, see, my mom, so we grew up pretty poor, actually. My dad built furniture. He was a master furniture builder in little old Tarkington, Texas, like nowhere. And so my mom really had to be strategic when she bought curriculum. We would go to downtown Houston to a homeschool store. There was like one store where you could buy secondhand, you could buy all kinds of different things. And she would gather up curriculum, see what she had last year. I mean, we had the big rubber erasers erasing, you know, the previous year to just save money because with that many kids... It's going to, I mean, it cost me a lot with four kids. I don't even want to think about how much it cost her to homeschool all of 
you know, us. Absolutely a different time. Before we continue, I want to share with you a program that has been a game changer for our homeschool. At our learning center, we instructed and helped kids through pretty much every math program on the market. And we know firsthand how important a solid math foundation is for our kids' futures. Finding the right homeschool math program that didn't compromise academic excellence, but also one that didn't put me or my kids through the ringer was a challenge. Until one day, I tried CTC math. You guys, the rest was history. First off, it's a mastery-based program, which means your child gets a solid grasp of the material. It's also loaded with mixed reviews, ensuring that kids never forget what they've learned. The questions are adaptive, too, which keeps students confident and progressing at their own pace. But the best part, all the teaching, grading, and testing, done for you. With CTC Math, there's no compromise on excellence. Your child gets a top-notch education, and you just made your homeschool life easier. Visit CTC Math to start your free trial today. What would be one piece of advice that you would give to a newer homeschooling mom who is scared out of her wits to start homeschooling? I would tell, I would tell that mom to breathe and take it one day at a time, probably to find her homeschooling style first before she just jumps in. Because before I got on TikTok, I didn't even know there was such thing as homeschooling style. It was just homeschooling. She does it a little different than I do type thing. Um, but I've really learned oh, so much since being on TikTok. But I think that helped open my eyes to certain curriculums I may not have even looked at had I not taken, you know, a style finding quiz. I actually think I took yours first um, to see what my homeschooling style was. But it was so fun and so enlightening and has really helped. Did shape you feel like my it nailed you? More. Did you feel yes. like my quiz did a good job and it nailed? Okay, yes. good. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, and I okay, liked that. Good. Let me just let me let me just brag on it a minute. I like that your quiz, unlike any, I, I took a bunch of different ones, but yours said that I was eclectic, which I had already known, but it also said that I was a little Waldorf as well, which I hadn't even thought about. And the explanation that you have there was so wonderful. And I was like, this opens a brand new door for oh. me. It was just wonderful. <laughs> Oh, that's so good to hear. And you know why we give you those secondary ones in the quiz is because we knew we needed the quiz to be five minutes. If I was giving you guys a hundred questions, I'd be able to nail you, but how do I do this in five minutes? So we had some pretty targeted questions that could be this or lean towards this. And that was a way that we could condense the quiz to make it five minutes while still being accurate and also giving mama other options to say, okay, yeah, this is, this really resonates with me. So I'm glad it was kind of risky because we, we wanted it to be accurate as accurate as possible. Um, but also quick and you can't always do those two things together. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. I've taken those quizzes too, where it's like, ad nauseum. They're just lasting so long. And then at the end of the day, because it's sponsored by a curriculum company, you're going to come out whatever style that curriculum company that is selling their curriculum, whatever, right? So it's a traditional, you know, you always have to look at who is sponsoring those quizzes because if it's a curriculum company, you're probably going to come out the style of what they sell. So yes, that was one of the reasons why I made it too. Yeah. 
I wanted one with, you know, no ties just because I'm all about helping mama. So, okay. Absolutely. Um, I want to hear what is a favorite read aloud that you have read to your kids and I should have asked you, do you incorporate read? I just made the assumption that you incorporate read aloud. Not everyone does, actually. Um, so we do it as a family. Um, and we do a lot of audiobooks because my oldest is 12. And then I have a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, yes. and 6-year-old. So really, when I read books, it's more geared towards my 8 and 6-year-old. My big girls are like, we're preteens. We're too big for this, you know. <laughs> Um, so we do it as a family and, um, my husband usually does the reading and we're working on the Chronicles of Narnia right now. And they have okay. loved the Chronicles of Narnia. It has been just wonderful for them, you know, learning new words. Even I have to stop and be like, okay, this word means this, or wait, what does this mean? Let's look it up real fast, you know? And we just, I think we have loved that very much as a family. That's wonderful. I'm in that same boat too, where I have such an age gap between my oldest and then the younger three. We're in Farmer Boy right now. And to them, it's a page turner, which I know the audience is going to laugh. They're like, don't stop. Is his pumpkin going to win first place, right? At the county fair. And then, but... You know, I have my older child in some serious, more intellectual books, but as a family on audio, whenever we're in the car right now, we're reading The Hiding Place. So oh, nice. I'm just like you in that way where you kind of, when there is a big age gap, not the oldest is not always interested in reading that one again, right? right. So right. I get it. Well, if I had to yes. pick my favorite and, yeah, and The Hiding Place, that little. is one powerful book. I haven't read that one. We haven't done that yet, but it's on my list. It's heavy. It's really heavy. But I think it's important and it opens up so many conversations about history. And my oldest has been asking me some pretty serious ethical questions as well. Oh. What would you have done, mom? Right. Yeah. Right. So that's been interesting because Those are deep as you questions, as the audience too. knows. Yes. Yeah. Because and it's a story about Corey Ten Boom who hid yeah. Jews in her home for a while before sh their home was raided. So right. we are right at the point now where she has, and this is a true story, where she has been arrested and she is not sent to a concentration camp yet. But I remember reading that uh as a young girl and it having a profound impact on me. It was probably the first book I read where I had an emotional uh, experience with it. Yeah. And I, don't, I can't we, say that for many books. <laughs> we went over Corey Ten Boom in our, um, uh, we have a Tuttle Twins series and it has the book they titled Courageous Heroes. And so it has some details in a summary on Corey Ten Boom. I think there's probably six to eight pages. It's it's quite detailed for a, a summary, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was reading that to the kids when I was pregnant with Jasper and I couldn't even get through the last couple pages without crying. And then I'm making them cry. And I'm like, I have to stop and come back, you know? And it was, it was very touching, especially for my older girls. It, I could tell that was that was a lot for them to yeah to take and and so important and so much better than a textbook 
than reading about yes. those events out of a textbook that is so dry. To have that emo- to really walk a mile in someone else's shoes for a minute is so valuable for our kids. Yes. I want to hear, I know I'm not going to let, because you know, with our Voxer conversations where I've probably Voxered you crying, laughing. (laughs) We have our little appointment every week where I'm now, I'm like Pavlov's dogs. You know, that experiment where like you ring the bell and you, you you salivate for the food. That's how I am. When I drop my girls off at theater on Mondays, I get in the car and then I Voxer Rachel. I'm like, but I know something that I've really enjoyed about our friendship is we like to talk about deeper things and philosophical things. You're a very thoughtful person. Your friendship has been an absolute gift. You are a treasure to me. If you're comfortable, I would love for you to share something that you are working on personally right now. In what way are you experiencing growth, either as a mom, as a homeschooler, or in any way that could inspire us and just give a little peek into Rachel life. Um, okay. So I am currently, which I have been the last, probably since I was pregnant with Jasper. So 10 months now it's, it's an ongoing thing working on ourselves, um, changing the way I speak to my kids. You mentioned earlier, uh, briefly mm-hmm. how, you know, maybe mom was screaming at you because all these emotions. Yeah. You know, that is kind of the household I grew up in. Um, And I don't resent that because of what she was going through. I don't know. You know, I was a child, but I feel like it has definitely spilled over into my parenting. And I don't know. I think just the last year or so, I've really put more thought into the way I speak to my kids. I always try to be kind, but it doesn't always come off kind because like you said, we're humans. Um, So changing the way I speak to my kids in one way is, you know, if they ask mom, can I have this apple for the millionth time? My son loves apples. I'm like, I don't care. I've stopped saying I don't care. Instead, Mm. I say, of course you can have the apple or I don't mind if you have the apple because they're starting to say what I say. and. I've even talked to him about it. I do care if you have that apple. I care. You know, if you're hungry, I do care. But I think something Mm. as little, as simple as I don't care, we're just so used to saying. It's like saying when somebody is being so goofy, you're like, oh, you're stupid. You don't mean it intentionally. Like you don't literally mean Mm. they're stupid. You're just Mm -hmm. laughing. Um, And so that just got me thinking. And I'm like, I don't want to say those things to my children whenever that's not true, because then they're just gonna, when I really don't care about something, you know, for example, are they going to take it literal? So that is what I have been working on. And that is what I'm going to continue working on. Creating a streamlined, successful homeschool can be hard. The pressure is high and the weight of the responsibility often leads to self-doubt, second guessing, and feeling overwhelmed with the excessive amount of advice and options out there. We love our kids. At the same time, the stakes are high. We don't want to mess this up. So how do we build a homeschool our kids will thank us for when they're adults? The first step to pulling this off is joining Thrive Homeschool Community, where you learn the eight-step plan to build an undeniably successful homeschool. 
Each year and each kid presents us with uncharted territory, but with the right plan, you can rest in the security and confidence that you are doing a great job. The path is easy. Join Thrive, say a quick hello to all your new friends, start the eight-step homeschool success framework, and kiss anxiety goodbye. It's risk-free, no contracts, you can cancel anytime. Go to christyfaith.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-Y dash F-A-I-T-H dot com. Enter promo code podcast at checkout for $10 off your first month. See you inside. I love that. I think that's a message all of us needed to hear is be careful with our words. And I think we can accidentally and inadvertently just because of patterns, you know, talk to our kids in ways that we don't want. And it isn't that true when it's a, I was, when it's a little mirror where you're like, where did you learn to talk like that? Oh, oh yeah. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Oh my goodness. I feel like I see that more and more every day. I want to hear about a time where you faced a significant challenge or obstacle in your mothering or homeschooling and how you overcame it. So when my oldest was five, we had already started homeschooling. We had made the decision to homeschool. My husband was going through a time where he didn't have a lot of work. So finances were tight. It was stressful. And I thought, okay, I had just had Lucy. She wasn't even a year. I think she was three months old. And I thought, I have to go to work. And I had worked before at this cafe as a server, as a waitress. And so I decided I needed to go back to work to help pay our bills, help pay for our life. And I hired my sister to come babysit the kids for me when I went to work morning shift. And it was about three months, I think she was in there. And I just, I couldn't take it. Every day she came home, her, well, first of all, they put her in kindergarten because she wasn't reading as well as they wanted her to read. But all of the other subjects she tested in second grade for. So I was a little bitter that they decided to put her in kindergarten. We were we were doing a certain diet with her because she's always had congestion. And I made her lunch to take. I fed her breakfast every day before she left. And every day she came home, she said, you know, we she'd get there a little early and the teachers would have her sit with all the kids eating breakfast. And she said that the teachers would tell her she has to eat breakfast, which consisted of like chocolate chip muffins and chocolate milk and all of these sugary breakfast things that we do not eat. Like that's not breakfast in my house. It never has been. That's a snack. You know, that's a sweet treat. Um, to us, breakfast is hearty. But so that was a little upsetting that they were having her eat, even though I, I asked her, you know, did you tell him you already had breakfast or maybe tell him you're not hungry? Yes, ma'am. I told him, you know, this, but they said I had to eat it. That was, that was frustrating. But the teacher would do some type of game or activity that involved them, you know, maybe counting or alphabet, phonics, something like that, where they would receive candy as a reward. So I had talked to the teacher Mm -hmm. and said, I don't want Madison getting this because we don't do food coloring. And I don't want her consuming all of this sugar because we don't eat that. Um, She personally, Madison, she gets very sick 
when she consumes too much sugar. I mean, she like vomits. And we've had episodes where mm. we're waking up in the middle of the night where I'm like trying to, you know, get her up after a birthday party. And she had, you know, one too many cupcakes or and one too many is like two for her. She's always been real sensitive to that. Even after I talked to the teacher, though, it was still like, well, I don't want her to be left out. So I'm going to do it anyways. Kind of ha- was her attitude. And I was like, no, no, this is my child. And you can't respect that. That's that's disrespectful. Like, that's not okay with me. Um, so all of those things just kind of turned me off to whatever she had been learning, mm. to, to the whole idea and I was like, I am not going to do this anymore. Like, absolutely not. I We can stay on the struggle bus. I will come home from work, which my husband was so happy because he, he wants me and, and I want to, but I am so blessed to have a husband who wants me to be home and raise our children and not leave, you know, be the primary caregiver for our children. And that is what I want. Um, but I'm blessed to have a husband like that. So he was so relieved when I said, I'm quitting, I'm coming back home. The Lord's going to work it out for us. And so we um, unenrolled her from school and never looked back. <laughs> but that was very challenging um, as not only a mom, but a, a homeschooler is, oh, I felt like she had to be in school learning because she was only five. She didn't have to be there. Um, so, you know, that was a time I just felt intimidated. Uh, well, it didn't help that our neighbors at the time were the principals of the elementary school. And so they were like, oh, no. keeping a close eye on us and like your kids need to be in school and stuff. And I just wanted to be nice, but it really wasn't a good relationship anyways. Um, so I was like, I don't care what you think. I'm doing what I want to do. That so. sounds like every homeschool mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What is something that you just can't get behind? It doesn't have to be homeschool related, but it could be. So what's something that you just disagree with? Spill it. Let me dry my sweaty hands. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so controversial, but it's okay. You know, um, Is is it really? Everyone's allowed to have their own opinions. Okay. So don't come for me. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. Um, okay. I, I cannot get behind radical unschooling. Um, I just, I can't. I, I have seen it firsthand and I have read the studies and they're wonderful. But I feel like there comes a point maybe in um, high school, when it, when a kid hits high school and they're, they don't know the things that they should know because you haven't made, you know, made the decision to sit them down and learn all of their multiplication tables. They're not going to choose to sit down and pick up that workbook that you laid on the table, strategically placed for them to hopefully pick up. Yes. And it's, it's actually not for me either. And I see that when I read John Holt and Peter Gray, so many of the points that are made in those books are phenomenal. And I agree a hundred percent. And then based on my educational background where I would get kids who were in fourth grade and not reading, or I have known unschoolers who learned no math 
until high school. There comes a point where doors start to close. And so often when, when I'm coaching a mama who unschooling is very appealing to her, I often ask, this is a radical lifestyle choice. So you need to read up on this because what can happen is it's very appealing in the younger years and it's great. And then panic sets in and you decide Mm -hmm. you don't want to be an unschooler. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of a person that I was actually coaching very recently regarding this utter panic. I made a big mistake. My kids are now going to be behind. I don't know if they're going to be able to get into college, that type of thing. And then that's a big thing to have to change that when you, so it's like, it's kind of a very, I think it's a very serious educational decision that is a huge buy-in. And I think a lot of people don't understand, first, they don't understand unschooling, but also they aren't really, I think most people that I meet who call themselves unschoolers aren't really unschoolers because they want their kids to have foundations. Do you find that too? I mean, I know there are the radical ones out there. But, and so, and I'm a big proponent of, you know, this, cause you hear me in office hours all the time is literacy, foundational skills. A lot yes. can be interest led. So much in our homeschools can be interest led. And, but there are some certain things that require foundational learning blocks that yes. need to be in place over a progression of many years yes. in order to have a highly literate individual or an individual that has the reasoning to be able to look at word problems and be able to work through those math problems and things like that. So, you know, you thought you thought that was going to be controversial. It is. I don't think I have. I don't think I think it is. Well, um just just because I do follow some some unschoolers some radical unschoolers on social media and it's very offensive to them. And I don't, I don't want to offend them. You know me, I, I want to, I want to state my thoughts and opinions, but I don't want to make them feel like they're a horrible person or a bad homeschooling no. parent because they choose that, you know, I would never, I would yeah. never, you know, do that. Um, but like, because my mom didn't implement a handwriting curriculum, I, I don't believe it was there. But when I graduated and started working with these girls that were my age, I got, so one of my first jobs besides a movie theater, I got hired on at Hibbit Sports as assistant manager right away. She said, you're homeschooled. Will you be my assistant manager? I was like, um, sure, I guess. I don't know. So whenever children get older, then you're going to have that pushback. And that, you know, comes back to unschooling. As they get older, you're going to have that pushback. Are they, are they going to graduate and have, you know, not know all their multiplication tables or have horrible penmanship or what, whatever it may be, and then start resenting you as a parent for that. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want my kids to have any resentment towards me for choosing to homeschool them. Yeah. Um, And so if I can help in any way, like buying the right curriculum that can help them, I'm going to do that because I want them to feel like they had a great experience being homeschooled. One of the reasons why I started the community was I wanted to help moms create homeschools 
their kids thank them for later. Yes, I love that. So Rachel, where can the listeners find you? I have YouTube. My handle is Oh Hey It's Rachel. I also and is have that on Instagram as well as TikTok. I also have Instagram and TikTok. If you want to find me, you're probably going to find me on TikTok once a week with a video. Good. Well, I love it. And we'll put all of those links to those handles in the show notes. I have valued your friendship so very much. I feel like we've grown together very fast in a, in a really good, healthy way. And I just want to thank you, Rachel, for being on the show today. I can't wait to share this with everybody. Thank you so much for having me, Christy.